Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Paul, working from home again, I see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're always in your home when we record, but we usually don't record at, you know, 1.30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday. So, good for you. Yeah, yeah. Take, it out, you, take, a, are, take a late lunch. Are you actually more productive when you work at home, do you think? Yeah, I I like I I like being in the office. Quite honestly, this is just we're doing something uh, just for today. But uh, I like going to the office. I don't like the the time it takes me to get to the office because uh, I take a tr- a bus and a train and I walk. Right, but it does give me time to think. But no, I I'd rather be in the office. Quite honestly, yeah, I hear you. You like the the activity, people around, and yeah, there's people, and yeah, I enjoy the people that I work with, and um, so yeah. Yeah, I hear you, man. I have not been in, a, in an office since 2017, so I, I do miss being around people. Uh, yeah, working from home can be can feel a little lonely sometimes, but I do get to have a lot of meetings with pretty cool people. Yep, uh, listeners and and uh, others. So helps me keep my sanity. And then on a day like today, man, finally the snow is melting. And uh, it's in the 70s, so let's let's get through this. I'm going to head back outside for a walk. You know what's funny? There's big mounds of snow still that haven't melted. And when you walk by those, the air gets cooler. It's pretty cool. Yeah. That wind just yeah. hits that snow and comes off there. And it's like a little mini air conditioner until you pass it. Yeah. Science. 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 All right. Well, anyway. Oh, hey, before I forget... Go to the show notes right now, register for our webinar on April 20th at 7 p.m. Central Time. So it'll be our third live webinar Q&A. Uh, bring whatever questions you have, but go ahead and hit pause, go to the show notes and and uh, register for that right now so you don't forget. All right, moving on. So we've had a couple of really interesting discussions lately, uh, some emails, some discussions with, with prospects that uh, we should dive into because these are some pretty smart people that we're talking to. And if they've got some, some of these questions and some of them are pretty far along in their journey, um, then I assume a lot of other people may have the same questions or if they don't have the questions, maybe they don't, don't have the answers to this question when they hear it. Sure. So how about this one? We just tackled this one with a prospect. Uh, Paul, if I say to you, Hey, all of this IBC stuff, it looks good. It makes sense in a low interest environment, but we're heading into a high interest environment and it just doesn't seem like as good of a, as good of an idea right now. So what say you? Why? I don't, I don't agree with that at all. Um, IBC works in any interest rate environment. Uh, in fact, when you look at Nelson's book and this throws a lot of people off, you know, cause they, they dig into his, his illustrations that are in that book and they, they look, they look amazing, quite honestly, right? They look really, really good. And, um, you know, those those designs that he has in that book written in 2000 were enjoying dividend rates from much higher uh, times, you know, from the 80s and 90s, you know, those 
when rates were high. So, right. so if it worked then, um, and arguably worked quicker, right? Nelson addresses that. He says, listen, you know, this is the fifth edition of the book. It was updated in 2008, I think. And he addresses kind of that concern about, hey, people are saying this, this can't work in a low interest rate environment, blah, blah, blah. But we have someone kind of thinking the opposite. But no, it, it works in any interest rate environment. And, um, you know, these companies have paid, you know, met their dividend obligations every year, regardless of interest rate environment, even though the, the last 10 to 15 to 20 years has been, you know, somewhat, you know, low interest rates, right? Uh, the lowest we've seen in, in human, human history. So, um, but no, bottom line works in both, both environments. Now in a low interest rate environment, it's simply, and he addresses this, it's going to take longer to create your own banking system through dividend paying whole life in a higher interest rate environment. And maybe it'll take you a shorter amount of shorter amount of time. Um, but you never outrun your need for finance. So does it really matter? Right. Yeah. I, I think there's always, there's pros and cons to everything. But when you think about people get scared of a high interest rate environment, well, okay. Yeah. It's going to cost you more to borrow money, but what are your investments doing? They should be earning you a much higher interest rate, right? Because that's the environment. If you're a lender, you can earn a much higher rate. Um, you know, why we like life insurance companies, even historically, uh, at least that you know the company that we we uh, use more often than the others. The dividend rate was higher than the interest rate. You know, in the '90s, you're talking eight to ten percent dividend rate. Um, you know, since then, I mean, it's been a little over five percent for years and years, um, but probably going up soon would be my my bet if the the federal funds rate continues to rise. Um, so it's a uh, you know, and then the loan rate. So these loans, people think, well, in a higher interest rate environment, I'm going to spend a lot, like pay a very high interest rate to borrow the money from the life insurance company. Right. Uh, good news, there's a cap on that, right? And Yeah, there is. And historically, also, that loan rate has been lower than the dividend rate that the company's paying. So, you know, how is that important? Well, um, you know, this kind of leads into another question we had from a client um, coming in over email. But um, that dividend rate, uh, shoot, kind of lost my train of thought there. So the, the loan rate's going to be higher. The dividend rate historically has really outpaced that loan rate. But in the yes. end, how much do we really care? Like if you're earning a 3% dividend and you're paying 2.5% for a loan rate, as an example, or you're earning a 10% dividend and you're paying 8% for a loan rate, like you're getting a higher dividend rate, right? Even if you're paying a higher loan rate. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people just get trapped in these discussions because they're looking at this through the wrong lens still. And what, what lens should they be looking at it through? Control of the banking function. The... the you know, banking is going to occur regardless if you're involved in it or not or controlling it or not. So all this talk of the numbers on a page and the illustration says this, and I don't, and I don't want to, you know, undercut the questions. I think they're good questions and I mm -hmm. think they're valid questions. I think we both agree on that, but we're, we're asking the wrong questions, I think. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Nelson says that in the book, you know, interest rates are up, interest rates are down. But the business of banking goes on no matter what. 
Um, so, you know, with his Shakespeare reference, right? Most people don't know who, who the actors are in the play. Right. Right. And if you don't know the actors in the play, then you don't, you're not going to know what's going on. Right. Yep. So I think that's, I think that's the lens that people should be taking this from is getting wrapped up in what the policy loan rate is. Did it go up? You know, it's 5.7 or it's 5.9 or it's five or it's 6.1 or whatever. And the dividend, the gross dividend rate is this, you know, that's all, you know, it's important, I suppose. I don't want to say it's not important, but you know, it doesn't have much to do with the, with controlling the banking function. And that's what Nelson is trying to teach us to do, right? Right. Something Nelson was fond of saying is, don't major in the minors. Yeah. Majoring in the minors. That's exactly a, an illustration of majoring in the minors is looking at, well, what's the loan interest rate going to be? What's the dividend interest rate going to be? Maybe it's not good in this this environment or that environment. But really, what matters is controlling the environment to the extent that you can. And like you said, it all comes back to control. So that's really where we need to focus. It's easy for me to get on the, you know, cut off on those tangents. And when somebody's asking those questions, then we focus on that. But really, if you unwind, zoom out, step back, take a look at the forest instead of the trees, you see it's about control and controlling your environment to the max extent possible. Yeah. And I would point people to page three of the fifth edition. Um, I'm holding it up here. Uh, the right side of the top of page three and, and read those two paragraphs at the top. And I really think that gets to it. I kind of paraphrase some of it, but you know, the process mm -hmm. of banking goes on no matter what is happening. So, and then he says a word of caution in the next talking about this book was written in 2000, you know, yep. so he's talking now what Nelson's trying to teach us folks is control over the banking function. To me, everything, every other discussion is secondary to that. Could you control a banking function using a sinking fund method with a CD? Sure. Could you use, and he, and he shows you that, right? Um, is it as good as using dividend paying whole life? No, it's not. No, but it not might be really for the first, for the first yeah. decade, maybe first, first decade, decade or half. so. Yeah. yeah, but then eventually the guy doing IBC is going to run away. So, and if that's true, and it, and it is, Yep. Uh, and you can, if you want to, if you're one of those people that needs to see all the math behind it, you know, you're perfectly welcome to go calculate it all and, and do all those things. But, um, it's, it's all secondary. It, it really is. Yeah. I mean, if you're only planning to live another 10 years, then maybe do the CD method. Although if you're only planning to live another 10 years, you may want to leave a death benefit behind for those loved ones that, Might not that be are still going to be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I guess you get my point. Like if you're only yeah. thinking 10 to 15 years down the road, then then maybe this isn't for you. But if you want to think long-term, I mean, to me, long-term is anything over 10 years when it comes to this, because you know, beyond 10 years is you're on top, right? Yeah, you, we're thinking generationally here, folks. Yeah, absolutely. So, and if you can't think past just your own life or just the next decade and a half of your own life, then then you're not thinking long-term, not even close. So, well, cool. Um, yeah, we'll get back to this book, uh, the, the pages we want to discuss in here in a minute. But another question that came in over email was, hey, this constant compounding. Like, hey, I read, read something on, I think, uh, no, I'll mention the blog because I think a lot of people rely on it. And what's interesting is once you 
you may rely on a source for a long time and then you learn something on your own and and learn it very well and then you go back to that same source and see what they have to say about it and they're completely off base and wrong then you would question everything that source has ever told you so i've had several clients who who reference the white coat investor um it's a blog i think there's probably a lot of helpful stuff on there um but a lot of dangerous stuff too because you're talking to somebody who's not an expert and doesn't hasn't put in the time <clears throat> to really understand one the process of banking and more specifically the infinite banking concept and they're giving generalities and making assumptions and and i don't think it's intentional like some other financial entertainers might do I think it's ignorance. They haven't done enough research. They haven't talked to the right people. Maybe they just, you know, I mean, right now you could talk to chat GPT and say, hey, what is the infinite banking concept? And it lays out a pretty solid explanation of the infinite banking concept. I've actually done that. Oh, cool. Um, or somebody else did it and showed me. Yeah. Because uh, I actually don't use it. Um, but uh, yeah, my stepson did it. I was like, actually, that's that's pretty good. Um, better than the white coat investor, uh, in my opinion. But anyway, this question was about, Hey, the constant compounding, we talk about uninterrupted compound growth, right? Especially in a non-direct recognition company that doesn't recognize any outstanding loans. So somebody says, you know, is a constant compounding really as good as, as you know, we make it out to seem like it is, um, you know, cause this one source says it's not really even, it doesn't even exist. Like it doesn't actually compound. So, I mean, to me, that's just ignorance. That's, that's a blog that's stating something they have zero knowledge about, obviously, because there's plenty of companies. In fact, all mutual companies, whether they're direct or non-direct recognition, you will receive some constant compounding. True or false? Well, I would say it's true. I don't, I don't really understand what they're talking about. If, you know, if you put money into a savings account at 0.01% and leave it in there, you're going to enjoy, albeit very little, constant compounding. Yeah. Right? That's true. If you don't take the money out of there. So it does exist. So likewise, if I pay a premium to the life insurance company, that's going to create a death benefit. It's going to create cash value, which is the present value of the death benefit. Regardless of what I do, whether I leverage using the policy loan feature of the, of the contract or not, that policy is going to have a contractual guaranteed growth rate year after year after year after year, as long as the additional premium is paid year to year or month to month, however you pay. And there's also going to be on top of that, non-guaranteed growth, assuming the company pays a dividend, which the mutual companies, and we've this bears repeating, have paid for 118 years in a row, 140 years in a row, depending on the company, all over 100 years straight without interruption, which also adds more death benefit and more cash value to that contract. So there is a compounding effect as you add money to the system, old premiums, right, have planted little seeds and later on those bear fruit. Right. So I, I really think it's 
it's maybe semantics, Dave. Like, I, I don't know what they're talking about, but it, I don't know what else you would call it. There's yeah, uninterrupted th- growth. What I, I don't know what else to say about it. Right. And like all compound interest, the longer it goes on, the greater that compounding becomes. Right. I think it's been said about Warren Buffett. Um, he's made the majority of his money in the last few years. Right. He's been yeah, a rich been man a while, for a while, hasn't he? Yeah. He's been a rich man for a long time, but he's uh, that imagine the compounding going on right now with his wealth. It, it's a hockey stick, you know, it's, it, it's going straight up now. So, uh, and, and that's the way it works. The longer you're in it, the, I mean, why else would my dividends be, you know, 30 years from now be, you know, four or five times the amount of premium I'm paying. That's right. Yeah. So I don't understand, and people can go read this stuff if they want, but I, I think it's a waste of time. Um, again, it's, I don't, I don't know what else you'd call the, the growth yeah, it's majoring in the minors. And that's okay because honestly, I did it too. I, I majored in the minors, which is good because now I understand the minors. I understand the majors and I understand why the, why people shouldn't major in the minors. I mean, if you're in this business, you know, you're a professional practitioner of this concept, you need to understand the minors as well. But for practical purposes of, of becoming your own banker, that stuff is, it's noise, it's details, it's, it's minutia that if you don't understand the controlling the environment aspect in the first place, then, then there's no, then what good is it to know the details? Right. None of it will matter. Yeah. You know, Dave, while we're on this topic, something popped into my head here and I wanted to clarify it just for, you know, just for some new people maybe. And it's on the subject of policy loans, if I could real quick. When I take a policy loan, am I borrowing my own money? No. When I pay a premium, is that money still mine or is it the life insurance company's money now? It's a life insurance company's money. Okay. I agree. And that's true. Uh, so if I take a policy loan, whose money am I using? The life insurance company's money. Right. Are they going to charge me interest to use their money? You better believe it. Yes. Do I want them to Wouldn't charge you? interest? Yes. yes. Right. Why? Anyway, so folks, when you take a policy loan and you use some of your available ca- loanable cash value, you are using the life insurance company's money. They're going to charge you interest to use that money. Just like if you were to borrow money from a bank for a car loan, a student loan, a mortgage, a personal loan, a line of credit, whatever, you're charged interest. I don't, and then I'm not going to go into the details of why a policy loan is better, but we've, we've beat that horse to death. But anyway, I just wanted to clarify that because a, a question popped up a couple of weeks ago from somebody. Um, I don't remember exactly who it was, and they, it almost took them by surprise that interest was being charged. And uh, yeah, so uh, either I didn't do my job correctly a few years ago or, or, or what, but... Uh, yeah, I can't imagine that's the case. I think almost, I mean... Maybe it's it might be an IBC amnesia or something. Could be. I mean, how much stuff have you been told that that you end up forgetting? I mean, especially how much stuff about the Apache do you actually still remember? You know, all the ops limits and all of that stuff. Well, it's all color coded. I always ask, why do I need to know all this? Like, it's going to scream There's, at me if the engine color up. 
Yeah. <laughs> Red is bad. Yellow's, you know, kind of bad. And green is yeah. good, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily you had another guy in the, in the plane, in the, uh, the aircraft with you. Yeah. That's right. We sat tandem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Um, all right. So anyway, anyway, let's, let's get back to the book here. So the same client, same email, um, who's smart guy and, uh, you know, went, is already client, like put the policy in force is ready to go and, you know, and making a big step and, and going big from the beginning instead of just dipping his toes in. Uh, so he understands it. I think it's, you know, going back through the book again, if you go back through, through the book a second time, it's amazing what you'll learn. It's amazing what will pop out at you. If you go back a third time, a 10th time, things are going to yes. pop out at you and you're going to have a question like, huh? Because now you have a, a, a bigger knowledge base which creates better questions, right? Yeah, that can't be, you can't say that enough, Dave. That This book needs to be constantly referred back to and it needs to be, needs to be uh, read multiple, multiple times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the question is, if you guys have your book, if you go to the uh, page 41, talking about, uh, it's part three, how to start building your own banking system. Nelson compares, just purchasing a car, which is something everybody listening, I'm sure has done. You're driving an automobile, most likely if you're listening to this, uh, probably the majority of people. Um, there's five different ways that Nelson gives that you can buy a car. Most of us have grown up thinking there's only two ways to buy a car, right? What are those two ways? Well, you can, we're talking A and B right now? Yeah. Yeah, you can lease it. No, not, no, B and C. Oh, to I'm buy sorry, a car. Leasing isn't yeah. buying. So to, sorry. to purchase a car. Well, you can buy at the end of the lease with like a balloon payment. And that would have been a fantastic option if you would have got a lease like three, four, five years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Like people made money on no leases. Doubt. So oh, I'm sorry. So method B is 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 the fi is the financing method. You're borrowing money from a finance company, a bank, ba you know, the bank method. Yep. Yep. And method C is paying cash. You save up, you pay cash. At the end of the day, both the borrower and the, the saver end up back at the zero line, right? Just the borrower goes into debt first and the saver has delayed gratification That's to right. save and then go back to the zero line. But at the end of the day, they're at the exact same place, zero. I got nothing to show for it except a car, a depreciating asset. Um, so um, those are the two ways we're, we've been taught to buy a car. Now, Nelson brings up another way. Um, you know, taking leasing out of out of the picture, of course, that's the most expensive. Financing a car is better than leasing. Paying cash is better than financing, even though you you finance no matter what you do, cash right. or or take a loan. Self finance. Yep. And then method D, uh, he calls uh, the CD method, the certificate of deposit. So still involves delayed gratification. So this would be much better than just saving money in a bank and then paying cash to buy the car, right? You would save money put it into a CD that's going to earn you 5% per year, which a year ago, two years ago would have been preposterous. Now you could probably find 5%. Yeah, you can get right? them now. Sure. And, and then you, you uh, take the earnings every year or, you know, when you want to buy a car, you take some of the money out You take, in this case, $10,500 out, go buy a car, but you continue saving every single month as if you you know, we're going to buy a new car five years from now. So you got to right. save up that money. And so this person is going to save up and then put annually that savings into another CD. 
and start earning five and a half percent on that CD. Right. You know, so, so I have a series of CDs. Semi-sinking fund, I guess. Semi, I don't know. Uh, uh, slowly sinking fund. Slowly sinking? Yeah. Yeah. Every time somebody <laughs> says sinking, I think of that that commercial. It's like, help, help, we are sinking. Help, we are sinking. Mayday, mayday. And the 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 German guy at the other end of the line is like, hello, what are you <laughs> sinking about? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's so funny. Anyway, I got sidetracked. Anyway, so you have a, a, a you know, slow sand versus quicksand sinking fund over here. Sure. Because it is a sinking fund, but it's way better than just saving up cash because at the end of the day, this person is still earning on their cash. They've delayed gratification, just like the saver. They just yep. put it in a better place. Better product. Yeah. Better product than a savings account. Right, right. They're still performing the process of banking, um, albeit not as efficiently as they could with the whole life method, putting your your money in there. And there's so we'll just outline some of the reasons why the whole life method would is better than the CD method, because uh, you can bank on both, right? You can bank with a variety of different things. So we just no want to find we just want to find the best product to use for banking. That's it. The best one we found was whole life insurance. Yeah. If there's a better one out there, I'd be, love to know about it. Yeah. Let me know. Um, but it's funny that this client, again, he's, he, he understands more than he thinks he does because he basically answered his own questions with a whole bullet list of reasons why it could be better. And he nailed it. Yeah. 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 He nailed it. All the attributes that I like to list for people is, is, uh, he wrote them out. So, yeah. Um, one of the first is taxes and the CD method, you're going to be taxed on all the gains. That's right. So, you know, there goes his, his five and a half percent return is now a 4% return. So not as good going to be taxed. Yep. Um, in the CD method, he's earning interest, but is he getting dividends also? Not unless he's a stockholder of the bank. Right. So with the whole life method, you're getting interest. And, and dividends. dividends, right? Dividends aren't guaranteed, blah, blah, blah. But they've been paid out every year since the company's been in existence. So because you, you're part owner of the company. Now, here's probably the biggest difference is what if you die while you have all these CDs? What does your family get? Well, they get the, what's, they get what's in there. Right. And they're probably going to have to pay taxes on the earnings. And I think they end up, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. But they, of course they get, the, they get the money right now. Yeah. And it's not going to be a clean transaction though, probably, unless they're listed as a beneficiary on the account or something or. Oh, good point. So they whatever. get everything they've ever put into it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Now, what do you get if you die using the whole life method? Well, yeah, there's going to be the accrued death benefit, right? This right. is life insurance after all. So. Um, you get the car, uh, and the cash. Yeah. And unless you don't die until you're 121 years old, that death benefit's going to be larger than the cash that's been accumulated. Oh, no. Oh, no question. Right. Yeah. It won't even be close. I mean, if this guy is, is the all American man we're talking about and he's 20, whatever years old and he, you know, yeah. he's paying adequate premium, you know, his, his death benefit is going to be many times what he's paid in premium. Many times. That's Many, many, many times. There'll be no taxes owed on it from an income tax perspective. That's right. And we know, folks, about state death taxes and 
estate taxes and stuff like that. So check your state, of course. You know, some of these states have pretty low thresholds. But that's beside the point. That's yeah, not yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. We'll get into another episode where we can talk trusts and all that stuff. Um, okay. What about this one? This is big too that, that people don't think about usually is what happens when you say you you make a loan. Let's just say you go to a bank. You get a loan, right? And then you repay it. When you make a monthly repayment to the bank, do you have access to that money anymore? How it's do you gone. get how do you get access to if I made a five hundred dollar payment back to the bank, how do I get that five hundred dollars back? Well, if we're talking about the car, I'd have to sell it. You'd have to sell it, or if you want five hundred dollars, you'd have to go to the bank and request a new loan. Or yes, I can request another loan as well. Of right. course. Go through that whole process of being underwritten, credit score, blah, 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 get, get a new loan, right? Yep. What happens when you make it a payment back to the insurance company? Well, all I'm doing is reducing the lien that I have on my policy, right? So if I borrow 10000 and I make a $500 payment the next month, well, I've got $500 more cash value accessible than I did the previous month when I borrowed it. So I'm putting you know, principal back in against that loan. So I could, two weeks later, I could take the money right back out again if I needed to. Right. Without having to go apply for a loan. Um, That's just, right. You just tell them how much you want, where, and where they can send it. So, and then what about uh, repayment? Flexibility. Can you miss a payment to the bank? Well, no. maybe one. <laughs> maybe one. But it's, you're going to take a hit on your credit. Yep. You will. 30 days late, 60 days late, 90 days late, yep. whatever. Yeah, that which payment history is is a super I think, you know, it's like 40% of your overall score is how they they do it is your payment history, I mm. think. Wow. Um maybe I, I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that folks. I I was looking at mine the other day and I was like, "Oh, wow, look at that." Um But anyway, yeah, with a life insurance policy loan, this is where the control, you know, yep. comes in comes into the play is that um, there is no repayment schedule. Right. And if you, if you have a bad month, you don't make that repayment and nothing happens. Right. Nobody's Interest will continue to accrue. Yep. Right. But no one's knocking on your door. You know, Uncle Guido's not going to come up and tow your, tow your car away or whatever. Yeah. Because uh, you own the car. You have the title. Well, yeah. You, you own the use. And possession. Yeah, of the yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Different, different subject, different time. Mr. Beneficiary over there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's the flexibility is huge. I think. Yeah. And again, I always, we both like the word control and that's ultimate control. Ultimate. Yeah. I, I determine the, I get to make the terms, you know, that's really, the terms are unbeatable. With this kind of loan. Yeah. A life insurance, a whole life insurance policy loan is the best loan in existence. Yep. Plain and simple. Just put that on a t-shirt, Paul. Yeah. So I think when we were discussing this before we started, we we really came up with you know delayed gratification. Delayed gratification, in in my opinion, is is really the key to wealth building. I mean, I don't know that you can do any real wealth building without delayed gratification, right? You can inherit money, but that's not wealth building. Yeah, and, and it's not, right? 
No, but it's I think wealth building it's it's a deliberate it's a deliberate act. It it generally doesn't occur by accident, you know. Oh, 10 billion dollars just fell into my lap the other day. Well, okay. Great. Good for you. You know, you're the luckiest person on earth, but for most yeah, people and my new best friend. Yeah. Yeah, and my new best friend. <laughs> but for most people, when you even talk about some of the richest folks in the world today, you know, they're the Gateses, the Bezos, the the Musks, and the list goes on. Um, a lot of them are, they created that. They created their fortunes from yeah. the garage, you know, where they started in a garage selling books or building computers or whatever, um, oh, literally yeah. in a garage. So, yeah. A lot of it, delayed uh, gratification for sure. But they, but they, guess what? Like, like he, and Nelson says this in the book when you, you study, you know, study the Japanese and they'll tell you, we got to put, capitalize the business for 10 years at least meaning they're not they're not really taking any income off the business and the yeah. business owners i know that's been that's been typical they've maybe been able to accelerate it a little bit depending on their business model and what what they're doing but uh money goes back into the business to build it to make right. it bigger to make it more efficient to make it profitable yep most business owners probably have better furniture in their office their you know their their office outside the home than they have in their actual home yeah. Right. Because they're, they're putting that into their business. That's right. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. I think that's a good lesson to take away. I mean, something I took away from this whole discussion is I can't think of anything financially that comes to you in spades without the delayed gratification. Even if, you know, if you want to, you want to strike it big with a, a great investment, like, oh, there's a stock right here. You should buy now. Well, you wouldn't have the ability to buy if you didn't save money and delay gratification on buying something else so that you could save up that money to, to strike on that, that investment, that opportunity. So, yeah, you know, opportunity abounds for the well-capitalized, right? We've said that before and we stole that from our friend, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a good way to say it. And, uh, and it's, and it's, and it's true and it's true for IBC. Right. This is a long-term strategy. This is not get rich quick. This is not let me put a bunch of premium in and take it right back out two weeks later because I need to go do something. Although you could do something like that, depending on how much how your policy is designed. But the whole point is you need to think long range. Don't be afraid to capitalize. Think generationally. I might yeah. also say the rest of them don't steal the peas, rethink your thinking, and don't do business with banks outside of checking and saving. Anyway. And you said, don't, you know, this isn't get, don't, this isn't a get rich quick. In fact, it's not a get rich at all by just using the product, but That's the right. process of banking and the way it's going to make you think, I'd say your chances of getting a rich are tenfold, not, not because you're using whole life insurance, but because you're using a different paradigm and a different way of thinking about being, yes. you're being the banker. Yep. There's right. those intangibles, Dave. And we've seen that like that mindset shift in ourselves and our clients and our friends. Um, yes, just by virtue of doing this, you're going to become more disciplined, more diligent, and you're going to see the landscape of finance completely different. Yeah, absolutely. And opportunity. So cool. Well, there you go. Hey, uh, that was good. We got to cut it off. I got a, uh, I got a meeting in five minutes. So perfect. Um, but Hey, if you haven't, if you didn't follow my advice at the beginning of the episode, now you can go to the show <laughs> notes 
we're done talking. Go to the show notes, register for the webinar, and we'll see you on the 20th at 7 p.m. Central. Cool. Awesome. Looking forward to it. All right. And until then, control your capital. Or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to davidandpaul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.